Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. About four days in the exhibition centre in Darling Harbour in Sydney, uh, there will be the Mind, Body and Spirit Festival. Um, this is a festival that happens every year. It happens also in other cities in Australia. I think once they had one in Port Macquarie. Since the 1970s, they've been running festivals like this in key cities around the world. Uh, what is it about? Well, the website for the Mind, Body and Spirit Festival says this, and I quote, it says, uh, you can explore your spirit. Interested in exploring your spirit? You can explore your spirit through astrology and numerology, psychic readings, chakra balancing, not sure what that is, um, crystals, new age books, feng shui, music, spiritual healings and more. Uh, the organisers say that the festival brings together about 200 exhibitors uh, who will help to strengthen uh, your, uh, uh, your, your love for your mind, uh, your body and your soul. Now, you'd have to say that uh, at one level they've uh, got things right because they're acknowledging that, uh, uh, that they, have a, they have a concern for our whole well-being as uh, human beings. And there's a lot that we could say about the false spirituality, but uh, they have acknowledged and they've really embraced the idea that human beings are more than just flesh and bone with a brain. Uh, we're not just a body. Uh, there, we have an inner self. Uh, during the week, I was curious to know about uh, whether or not there are Christian groups and Christian churches that are amongst the 200 exhibitors. So I phoned up the uh, festival management in Melbourne and uh, they told me that uh, there are a number of Christian groups and churches who have booked stalls at the exhibition. It's pretty expensive to book those stalls. I don't think we'll be doing it uh, uh, quite at this moment as a church. But I think it's a good thing, don't you? 
because uh, in this whole marketplace of spiritual uh, ideas, uh, the the Bible has a lot to say about our uh, about our spirit um, and our bodies and our minds. Uh, the body, the Bible certainly teaches that we are more than just excited clumps of of matter, that we're more than just flesh and bone with a brain. But in this spiritual marketplace of ideas, uh, what the Bible teaches about how we find uh, peace and tranquility, uh, how we find that equilibrium uh, between the inner self and the outer self, uh, is very different to what others are going to be teaching at the Body, Mind, Spirit Festival. And it's an issue that comes up in today's passage. So can I get you to open up your Bibles uh, at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 on page 837. And uh, last week we looked at the first part of the passage that Mark read to us. Uh, Today we're going to look at the final part. And we see that as Paul finishes up this letter uh, to his friends in Thessalonica, uh, in verse 23... He says, may your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that doesn't represent Paul's whole thinking about who we are as human beings. He realises that we have a mind as well. Uh, But he wants to focus on these issues, the spirit, the soul and the body. Notice that he speaks of both the spirit and the soul. Did you notice that? And that raises a question, of course, doesn't it? I mean, what, what is the difference? Uh, what's the difference between your spirit and your soul? Um, are, are they two different aspects uh, of our humanity or uh, are they really saying the same thing uh, just for emphasis? Uh, what is the difference. What, why does he talk about the spirit and the soul? Um, over the centuries, Christian thinkers have had some pretty lively discussions about this issue. Uh, the, the issue is, uh, do we primarily consist of a body and a soul, uh, of which the spirit is one aspect of the soul, and that's called a, a, a bipartite view of humanity, Uh, Or uh, do we consist of three separate entities, being our body, our spirit and our soul, uh, and that's called a tripartite uh, view of our uh, humanity. Uh, It seems that um, sometimes things are not as cut and dry in the Bible as what we would in our tidy minds like them to be. But uh, when you look at uh, the whole of the Bible's teaching on this, Uh, It seems that really uh, the biblical distinction is between our our outer self, that is our body, and our inner self. And when it talks about our inner self, it sometimes talks about the soul uh, or the spirit, um, using those words to some extent interchangeably to refer to the inner self, uh, but often when the term soul is used, uh, it's, it tends to refer to who we are as individuals, our very distinct 
individual self, especially as we relate to this world. Um, so, for example, in um, there's a couple of passages which talk about non-Christians uh, being soul-ish. Uh, in uh, 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 15, I haven't written this on your outlines, you might need to jot it down, 1 Corinthians 15 verses 14 to 15 and also in Jude verse 19, where in our translations it talks about the natural man but the underlying word there is the soulish man. And it seems to fit in with this uh, general principle that when the term soul is used, uh, it's, it's referring to us and our inner selves as we relate uh, to our world, to this physical world. Um, on the other hand, the, uh, when the Bible uses the term spirit, uh, it often tends to refer to our inner self as we relate to God. Um, God is spirit. We relate to God in spirit. Um, remember, for example, in John chapter 4, the, when you know Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well and she's trying to avoid the issues that Jesus is raising and she asks him this hypothetical about, or, the, or this red herring about where is the appropriate place to worship God and Jesus says, well, God is spirit and those who worship God will, will worship him in spirit and in truth. So there is that tendency that when it talks about our spirit, it's about us connecting uh, with our God who is spirit. But as I say, it's not as cut and dry as what some people might uh, want it to be. Uh, the... Sometimes in the Bible, the two words just seem to be used interchangeably to refer to our inner self. And I think that's the real distinction in the Bible, our outer self as opposed to our inner self. The problem in Thessalonica was that the ideas people at the time, the people if they were around today would be probably booking out space at the... Um, Body, Mind and Spirit Festival, the ideas people uh, were the philosophers and uh, the philosophers took on this, the ideas of Plato uh, which tended to, uh, in its outworking, uh, uh, tended to mean that they were saying that what really matters is your inner self and that your body uh, doesn't matter all that much. So uh, it's just physical matter and for some people that meant that it led to uh, immorality, that uh, you could do whatever you wanted to do with your body. It's your inner self that really counts. And here Paul is saying no. So remember that's the context that he's writing into. These are Greeks, first century Greeks. Paul's saying no. Uh, everything about you matters. It doesn't matter how you categorise it, whether you're talking about you, know, you as you relate to our world, uh, you as you relate to God, or what you do with your physical body. Uh, Paul is holistic. Um, your whole self matters uh, to God. Now, why is that the case? Well, there's a whole truckload of reasons as to why that's the case. But in verse 23... The thing that Paul points out is that one day the Lord Jesus Christ will return again. Jesus is coming back. 
And that'll be a day of both judgment and salvation. And so he prays for them. Have a look at what he prays in verses 23 and 24. He says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. There's that whole idea there of your whole self. Uh, Sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says this in verse 24, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. He'll do it. Now, how does Paul refer to God? God is the God of peace. He's the God of peace. Uh, in the Bible, this term peace, uh, it's, a, it's, a very, um, uh, it's a very deep uh, word and it's very extensive. The, uh, the Hebrew word, uh, which would be very much in Paul's mind, the the Hebrew idea of peace is, is the word shalom. You've all heard of uh, shalom. And uh, it is a peace in a very deep sense. In its truest sense, it is a peace which begins with being at peace with God, uh, being in a relationship, a good relationship with God. And that can only happen through trusting in the death of Jesus to pay for sin and his resurrection to eternal life. And it's as we grasp the gospel, as we make the gospel um, an integral part of our lives, then we experience that true shalom, that true peace. We experience that peace with God, which then ought to be flowing through uh, the rest of our lives um, impacting our, uh, our entire selves, how we think, um, what we value, how we behave. Now, brothers and sisters, there is no greater peace than the peace which comes through being connected with your Creator. Nothing could be more peaceful than that. Um, the Gospel brings us peace because he know, because of the gospel we know that we can be assured of our salvation. Uh, the gospel brings us peace because we know we've got nothing to fear from God. Uh, the gospel brings us peace because we know that we have our eternal future secured and that therefore we can experience a contentment uh, in our lives now. A peace and contentment in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in now because of the certainty we have for the future. Now notice in verse 24 that Paul is confident that on the day that Jesus returns that the Thessalonians will be declared, will be found to be blameless in the sight of God. Um, uh, Body, spirit and soul, blameless. Now we know the reason why that's the case. We know that that is because Jesus has paid for sin. Uh, the, the penalty has been paid for. They are blameless now. Not because of their righteousness, because of Jesus' righteousness. 
and the exchange that took place on the cross. But still, Paul prays for them. He prays that they would be kept blameless until that day. And he's assured that God will do that. Here we see the duality that we often find in the scriptures, uh, whereby uh, we are assured of God's promises and what God will do, uh, but that we also play our part in that. Uh, and the Thessalonians play their part in that by rightly responding to this good news about peace, the gospel, and rightly living the life of someone who is truly at peace with God. Spirit, soul and body, the whole package. Now, it's the same for us. Um, if you go to the Body, Mind and Spirit uh, Festival at Darling Harbour, uh, and I wouldn't mind going to one uh, someday just to see what they're on about and actually take the opportunity to maybe share with people about true peace. But if you go to the Mo Mind, Body and Soul Festival, there are going to be a whole stack of people who are going to be telling you that your whole self matters uh, that it's all about having balance in life, that it's all about finding that equilibrium between your inner and your outer self and connecting with spiritual realities and so on. But what is the truly balanced person like? Verses 16 through to 18, let me read them for you again. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The truly balanced person is the person who is in Christ Jesus. And what are they like? Well, Paul says that we should, we should be joyful always. What does that mean? Well, it obviously means that we're not doesn't mean that we're going to be people who are H-A-P-P-Y um, every moment of the day, uh, you know, always laughing, uh, always, um, uh, you know, sometimes we're going to experience pain and, and sadness and, and disappointment. But the peace which we have with God uh, is the power uh, that drives out bitterness that drives out hostility, that drives out anger, that drives out a negative, critical spirit. You know those things that are the exact opposite to joy? There are some people who kind of are people who just suck the joy out of everyone else around them. That critical, negative, unhappy, discontent. And that's an internal spiritual problem. That's an internal problem. Others for whom joy seems to flow out from them, even in the great difficulties in life. And uh, that joy overflows into the lives of others. Now, of course, joy often goes hand in hand with prayer. Uh, there was an article that was published just this week uh, in respect to a survey that was conducted a couple of years ago amongst Australian Christians where they found that the Christians who were most uh, satisfied in their spiritual life 
and were growing in their relationship with God uh, were also people who spent regular times every day reading their Bibles and praying to God. Now, there's no surprises there, is there? Um, especially if you think back to the series we did on prayer a couple of months ago in Philippians chapter 4, verses four, 6 to 7, another great verse to memorise, where Paul says, Remember, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, bring your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So as we have anxieties and cares and worries and we cast those upon our Heavenly Father and he takes the load for us, then we experience that uh, peace and that joy uh, that comes through our relationship with him. Now, of course, the person who is joyful and prayerful is also going to be the person who is thankful. Uh, Thankful to God Uh, no matter the circumstances. Um, Because if we're at peace with God, we know that even in all of the challenges of life, that God is in control, that God loves us. And in Romans 8.28, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so that God uses those difficulties, those challenges to help us to to come closer to him, to become more mature and to trust him uh, in a deeper sense. So joyful, prayerful, thankful. That's the well-balanced person. That's the person who is at peace with God. Now, as Paul finishes this letter, he has more to say to his Thessalonian friends. And we see some of that in uh, verses 19 to 22. Uh, Let me read that. He says, Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. And if you go down to verse 25, he concludes by saying, Brothers, pray for us. Uh, Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all of the churches. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I always find that one, greet all the brothers with a holy kiss, intriguing, um, because most Christians have figured it out that brothers means brothers and sisters. There are some you know, young guys in youth groups who think, well, they've got to really exercise that, especially with the sisters, especially with the really good-looking sisters, and go and greet them with a, I'm just being spiritual. I'm just following God's word when I go and plant one right on you. (laughs) In Greek culture, it's the men kissed the men. (laughs) The women kissed the women. (laughs) I don't see them going around doing that. Uh, That's a cultural thing there. Uh, It's an expression of affection. It's the men kissed the men, the women kissed the women. But what does he say about prophecy? Uh, Back in verse... uh, verses 19 and following. Uh, He starts by saying, do not put out the Spirit's fire. It's not necessary to connect this with what what some people would talk about in terms of prophecy. 
Uh, putting out the Spirit's fire, if we look at other passages in Paul's writings, it's, uh, it's the same as to grieve the Holy Spirit. And it means uh, to, uh, to not treat God's word with the respect that it's due and not actually obeying God's word. And so it's through the Spirit that they will be obeying what Paul has been talking about in 1 Thessalonians, about treating one another in brotherly love, about not engaging in sexual immorality, and so on. But he talks here about prophecy. Uh, And in the Bible, a prophet, of course, is a person who spoke God's word. Uh, In the New Testament, there are at least a couple of occasions when uh, people who had this gift of prophecy uh, were able to foretell some future events which were about to happen. Uh, So uh, in Acts chapter 11, there's a guy by the name of Agabus. Remember Agabus? Agabus predicted that there would be a severe famine that would uh, um, cover the whole Roman world and that they needed to prepare for that. And and that happened. Uh, In Acts chapter 21, another prophet uh, talked about Uh, the uh, suffering that the Apostle Paul was about to endure. Um, The question as to whether or not we have that kind of prophecy still uh, available today uh, is a uh, more complex issue and it's an issue that is an entire sermon on its own. I don't want to just say something blunt about that without explaining it. We did deal with that in the 1 Corinthians series. It's available uh, to look at on the website. But can I say this, Um, the main role of a prophet at any time is to take God's word, uh, to um, impress God's word upon uh, people, uh, to warn God's people of the impending judgment that will happen in the future so that they might repent and put their trust in the gospel. And there's a very real sense uh, that we do that when we share the gospel with other people because what we're saying is we're talking about there's a future event that's coming, uh, that there is a day when our Lord Jesus will come back and you need to be ready for that. You need to be a person who who is right with God, uh, that you're blameless in your body, uh, your soul and your spirit. It's a future event we impress upon people. And remember, in the first century, before, uh, before they had all of the, the books of the New Testament uh, uh, available to them as they were being written uh, in terms of, for example, here as 1 Thessalonians is being written, there would be Christians who would be um, preaching and teaching in the churches who would be speaking God's word Uh, without the benefit of the the New Testament scriptures. And what Paul is saying here is that don't treat them with contempt. Um, Don't disregard uh, uh, these people who speak God's word, but be careful and test them. Uh, In the NIV, there's a but before... uh, In the Greek, there's a but before the word test, and uh, it's not translated in the NIV. So it should read, be, um, it should do not, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test everything. It's an important but that's there. And so he says, hold on to the good and avoid every kind of evil. Now, you and I can test what is taught to us uh, 
by simply checking what's said against uh, what God's word says, what the scriptures say. And that's why every Sunday in church, I actually really impress upon you to have your Bible open um, to look and see that what myself or Peter or other preachers are saying is actually what's coming from God's word and not something which we've simply made up. Now, this letter is God's word. And uh, uh, we know that the other apostles considered Paul's writings to be God's word. Peter uh, talks about Paul's writings and he says, Paul, Paul's, write, Paul's, Paul's letters are not always easy to understand. I'm really glad that Peter thought that. <laughs> uh, but he says, and some people take what he says and they twist it um, as they do the other scriptures. The other scriptures. This is scripture. And that's why Paul was able to say to them in verse 27, make sure, in fact, I really want you to do this. I want this letter to be read to all the brothers. They need to know it. They need to know what God is saying. I have a Thessalonian friend. Does anyone else here have a Thessalonian friend? Good. I can boast. His name is Jim. Uh, Jim is Greek. And like every other Greek person I know, Jim's just full of personality. <laughs> he wouldn't have a problem going and greeting the brothers with a holy kiss and a big hug and all at the same time, full of life. Uh, Jim is the chief executive officer of uh, St. St. Paul's Hospital, uh, Thessaloniki, which is what it's called these days. Um, Jim and I have been in touch with each other uh, in recent times. So yesterday I sent him, a, uh, I sent him this letter, 1 Thessalonians. I mean, I thought, Jim's a Thessalonian. <laughs> uh, he is in charge of St. Paul's Hospital, Thessaloniki and I thought well Jim might be interested to know what uh, the man whose hospital he's he's named after what he wrote to the other Thessalonians a couple of thousand years ago I also wanted to be able to um, uh, tell you that I've got a mate who's a Thessalonian so I can boast and I wanted to spice up the sermon a little bit just to pique your interest as we Head to the home, uh, home to the what do you call it? The home straight in this whole series. So I sent him the letter. It would have taken Paul, uh, Paul's letter, a fair while to get to his friends in uh, Thessalonica. Uh, it took me about half a second as I pressed the button on Facebook to uh, shoot one Thessalonians off to Jim and say, "Hey, mate, have a read of this. You might enjoy it." You and I need to be reading this letter. Uh, It's not only relevant to uh, uh, people living in Thessalonica today or Thessalonica 2,000 years ago. It's relevant and important for people like you and I living here in Port Macquarie, Australia. We need to take notes seriously of what Paul wrote to the Thessalonians because we live in a world where there are all sorts of 
alternative spiritualities and philosophies being promoted. The Thessalonians were dealing with the Greek philosophers. Uh, We're dealing with a uh, false spirituality that uh, tells us uh, other things about our, our, our mind, our body and our spirit. Uh, the website for next month's festival says this, and I quote, Only at the Mind, Body, Spirit Festival can you find exciting new experiences, ideas and products for your health, physical and mental well-being. Try yoga. Find the latest herbal supplements. Have a psychic reading. Receive a massage or a foot detox. I wouldn't mind one of those, actually. Buy crystals, jewellery and unique gifts. Enlist the services of a life coach, spiritual teacher or healer. But brothers and sisters, true spiritual healing, true wholeness, True balance in life can only be found in Jesus. That is where we need to turn. That is whom we need to trust. To Jesus, whose death on the cross alone has brought us profound peace, that we might be people who are joyful always, Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances that we might be people who are kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, in our spirit, our soul and our body. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we thank you for the peace that we can experience through Christ alone. We thank you, Father God, that because of what he has done, that we can be blameless on that day, uh, through and through. And we do pray, Father God, that we would be people who understand and grasp uh, the nature of that peace, that it would flow through the whole of our existence, that we would be people who are joyful always, who pray continually and who give thanks in all circumstances. May we treat your word with the great seriousness that it deserves. And may we be people who live obediently to it. In Jesus' name, amen.